Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Tell New Orleans, 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway, Missoula. Boys and girls, we're happy to be with you. Thanks for being with us on this second hour and the final of the week, the last hour of the week in our new studio. Loving it in here. Happy to be with all of you. Uh, if you uh, missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available all the time. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Two Tell Nuanas and it will come up for you. The podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications. If you would like to listen live on your device, computer, phone, what have you, you know the website, 1029ESPN.com. You check it out on the stream. The stream is also available all the time, including for 4 to 6 Mountain Standard Time every weekday to listen to this show live. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Colter, you had the opportunity. It uh, wasn't even, was it last week? I guess it was last week or maybe a it week. It was uh, March 23rd, so whatever okay. whatever that was. I think yeah, it was week, actually. week and a half. I guess it was. It would have been uh, nine days ago. Okay. Yes. Uh, to uh, speak with the head coach of the Montana State bobcat football team jeff showed and again we are uh kind of rolling through a series here of uh trying to get all of the big sky conference football coaches on the show here during the off season uh we've already had uh, bobby hauk and rob fennessy among others dan hawkins as well uh, we have several more coming up and also justin green uh, the uh, running backs coach recruiting coordinator for the grizzlies going to join us as well uh here coming up but you had an opportunity to talk with uh with coach Choten. rather than playing the entire interview as such we have lined out 
a, a bunch of sound from that to discuss sort of in uh, in bite-sized morsels, as it were. And the first question or kind of talking point, Coulter, was asking him about spring ball, the fact that they didn't have spring ball. And Jeff Choate gave you the answer about not playing spring ball that we all expected him to give. I think that's well documented what I think is spring ball. <laughs> right, I know. Um, care less. You know, I mean, last year we got a whopping you know, eight practices in, and one of them, we literally walked out on the field, it was so icy, we went back in, we counted it as practice, and then we had a spring game, so on paper we had nine, Right. but the reality is, we were out on the field eight times, you know, and so, and some of those were cut short too, you know, some of those are helmets only, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how much you retain, now, in a year like this, for example, with the quarterback situation we have, it would have been nice to get a little bit of a pecking order going into the summer. But I'm not hung up on it, you know, and I'm not. I mean, there's, there's, hey, you know who likes spring ball? Freshmen and sophomores. Right. That's who likes spring ball. Right. Okay. Everybody else, I'm good. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and those, there's certainly some freshmen and sophomores that would have been very beneficial, but nobody's really going to get that much. I mean, right. Yeah, I don't think it matters. Right. I don't think there's an advantage to that at all. I don't know what you do in March isn't really going to show up and help you in September. You know, it is, it's so interesting the differing philosophies that there are between Missoula and Bozeman on this point. And it's so interesting, too, how much Jeff Choate has changed about this point, too. Yeah. I think that Jeff Choate has, he has been, he's made culture and internal individual leadership the absolute paramount factor in his program since day one. But now that he's entering year five, I think he truly believes how strong that it really is. I think he truly trusts his guys to get the work to done just on go their do own. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, year one and two, their fall and spring camps were just wars, just bloodbaths. And I think he actually learned the hard way. I mean, during a bunch the of sun- guys got hurt. I mean, during the yeah. Sunny Hall and spring game, the guy who was having the best spring of any guy on the entire roster was Jacob Hadley. And when he got ran up and rolled up on and blew his knee. I mean, Cho ended the spring game right there, and he, that was the first time I've ever seen him like in a state of shock. He felt horrible, and he, he pivoted 180 to, to saying, okay, we can get stuff done. We can install stuff. I'm going to trust my guys to learn this stuff from a mental perspective and rep it on their own. We do not need to lose dudes who are going to help us play when we're playing against each other. Now, he did allude to, and I think, I mean, it, it's it's obvious, you know, he said it would have been nice from a quarterback standpoint to try and establish a little bit of a pecking order. The one thing that I, I, I completely agree with him in this respect, what you do in March, there there's, there's just no carryover to what then happens in August. Like, it just it is too big a gap right there to say, oh, well, we had these eight practices in, you know, from March 10th through the through March 20th, and then a quasi-game that now all of a sudden we're so much the better for it. What I do think can carry over, and it's along the lines of what you talked about, of trusting your own players to do for you uh, or to do for themselves, is that, if you see as a player within the context of spring practices in the spring game where you stack up with other guys at your position, whether it's quarterback or whatever it might be, where you are in terms of of the things that you do well and maybe get exposed in some things that you don't do well, and then you have that 
to work on, and you know that for sure firsthand for yourself. Your coaches are going to point it out to you. Hopefully you see it for yourself. And now that can build for five months or four months or whatever it is between the two, and that might be the thing that you lose. But in terms of the practices themselves, no, I agree with him on this. They're not, they're not that important. I think competing is always important. I think, as Bobby Houck said, you can't really get better at playing football unless you play football, but I do think there's a lot of ways to go about that. Derek Marks told that great story on this show two Fridays ago about how he went to a University of Washington camp when he was in high school, and they ended up hooking up with Will Disley, who at the time was playing D-line at the University of Washington before then eventually switching to tight end. But Jeff Choate was the D-line coach at Washington, and then when the news came down that Choate was going to be the head coach, Derek just called up Disley and said, hey, teach me all the drills so I can be ahead of the game. Well, Marks ends up starting as a true freshman, not because of his physical prowess, but because he just knew how to play. I think when you run developmental programs like both Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate do, those D-line drills, so much of what they're doing, obviously the contact, the hitting, the track, and the ball carrier, you can't replicate it in any way. But if you watch Montana State's defensive line practice, they do the same practice every day for 45 minutes. The first 45 minutes is the same every single day. And I think that's why their fundamentals are so awesome. You've seen this with Coach Houck down here yep. in in, uh, in Missoula. The first 40 to 50 minutes of every single Coach Houck practice is this gigantic individual special team circuit into this gigantic individual tackling circuit. The only guys that aren't doing it are the kickers, punters, and quarterbacks. Everybody else is just running around the Dorn Blazer field, yeah. and they're doing almost the same thing every day. But you can do that kind of stuff on your own. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that the value of the spring practice is setting yourself up for the next four months before you get into August. It's not in the, in the actual act of having the spring ball. And... And if you have enough things for your guys to work on or you're established enough from a veteran leadership standpoint and all of that stuff, you can get that stuff done anyway and need to be and, and you don't have to have formalized practices or whatever for that to build and for yourselves to get better. And again, the oddity here is I think that actually it would have benefited Montana State more than Montana in this particular season and scenario because of what they're trying to figure out at their quarterback spot and also a couple other places they're trying to get themselves organized. Everybody is, but 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 uh, especially with the QB scenario, it would have been helpful to them you know, this year. I think it, it would be more helpful to Montana State than Montana from the quarterback scenario because yes. j- just because even though Cam Humphrey hasn't outright won the job, he started games before. He's a fifth-year senior, and I think that even no matter what happens with Cam Humphrey, if he is or is not the starter this year, he's still going to be a leader on this team because he's already established that. He came in as a transfer, and he bought in right away, and he was totally okay with being Dalton State's backup for two years. Yeah. Well, and so I think that even if he's not the guy that's going to win the job, when he calls you up and says, hey, guys, we're going to go have a player run practice, then you can go do it. Montana State, Rovig actually, Tucker Rovig established himself as a leader, but they don't have that hierarchy because there's also some guys that really like Casey Bauman. But then how charismatic is this Matt McKay kid? We don't know. But, I mean, you imagine he's pretty confident. He's a four-star recruit who started in the ACC a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that, But that's where it gets weird, right? Because then you, all of a sudden, even if it's not toxic, you can still have fracturing in your roster. Like, oh, I'm going to go to Matt McKay's player run practice instead of Tucker Rovix sure. just because I like him, you know, right, whatever. Right, but that's right. it's just a weird deal. That's where, like, a leader like Sneed, Sneed's, Sneed's got the group text with everybody, right? Yeah. Here's what we're doing today, boys. Yeah. This is my show. I'm running this. It. Is what That's where a fifth-year yeah, senior yeah. quarterback is so important. Well, you speaking of quarterbacks, you did ask uh, Jeff Choate about his quarterback specifically. This is what he had to say. We'll, we'll provide some strength. 
structure for them. I mean, you know, you, you're always going to at least give them a framework to work with it. And uh, as you mentioned, I mean, Tucker and Casey, too, they've both been through this and really kind of been the primary Who you talking leaders to? in terms of how the structure was going to go and keeping the time and keeping everybody on task so it is a, a, a practice, if you will, flows with good rhythm. Uh, and I think Matt is like that. I mean, he's a football jockey, and you can tell he's he did that, those things. I mean, when in the season as a starter, started five games at NC State, I'm sure he was responsible for running those there. And so, I, you know, I don't get hung up on that. I feel like, you know, if we give these kids the right structure and set the expectations the right way, they're all capable of leading. And so the good news is, um, I think we're in a place, if you'd asked me that question three years ago, I would have been terrified. Right. <laughs> you know, but right now I, I, I feel pretty good about the guys, you know, like Lewis Kids calling me, he's like, hey coach, uh, you know, I'm in town, I was thinking about having, you know, these group workouts, I'm like, yeah, it's probably a bad idea right now. It's like, well, what if we just, you know, said, hey, let's meet on the air field, let's go three guys at a time, and we'll have 30 minute blocks. I'm like, yeah, do your thing, man. <laughs> right. You know? And so he's kind of got it figured out. Again, alludes to exactly what we've been talking about. When you have Lewis Kid and you have returning starters, that you know, uh, uh, I mean, on one hand, it's maybe a headache. On the other hand, what other team has three returning starting quarterbacks <laughs> to their right. team to sort of run things? And they they know what it is they're they're doing. The culture is established. The leadership hierarchy is established. We know basically who kind of the captains are probably going to be. You know, come fall, some of them anyways that are going to you know, initiate this stuff. And he says, yeah, you know, we give them their guidelines, but we know they're going to do what they need to do, which again is why spring becomes not totally superfluous, but less important than, than it might be for a younger team. Last year, contrasting leadership uh, identification, I guess I would say for the two Montana schools, Montana had their, basically their offensive captain, Dalton Sneed, their defensive captain, Dante Olson, and their weight room captain, Jesse Sims. Those are the captains. Those are the three guys. Those are the guys walking in the middle of the field. What, now, the co- why would Jesse Sims be the weight room <laughs> captain? Have you watched any of these videos that Steven Baylor has been posting? <laughs> no. Steve, so Coach Baylor runs sports, sure. Baylor Sports Specific out there yep. uh, by the Y, and some of these guys have still been training for their pro days, specifically Jesse, because he's been working out there for a couple of years in the off-seasons helping train kids. I mean, the guy is – he honestly, he should just be a pro weightlifter, man. He might get a shot in the NFL. We'll see. But he, if he doesn't, he should just be a pro weightlifter. He's an unbelievable. Well, he but is. Baylor, he's just not being paid. Well, for right. But but Baylor's been posting these videos of this guy. I mean, this dude is like, I mean, he's power cleaning three hundred ninety pounds. I mean, he's clean and jerking like three fifty. And we're not talking like grunting it up with his gut like some of these big offensive linemen. Do. This right. is perfect form. I mean, he's an unbelievable specimen of a human. Yes, two hundred eighty five pounds with no body fat is is impressive. But the, back to the point. There's three captains. Here for the Grizz. Last year the the Cats had six, and I thought when that when they first said that I was like, "That's how is that going to work?" They had Derek Marks, they had Troy Anderson, and they had Braden Conkle, so one guy on each level of their defense, and they had two receivers in Kevin Cassis and Travis Johnson, uh, and then they had who was their who was their sixth captain a year ago? Shoot, it was one one other guy on. Uh, in any case, in any case, I didn't think it was going to work, and it worked beautifully. Mm. 
But when you have six captains leave your program, it's a lot easier to replace three captains than it is to replace six. Yeah, well, that's true. Fact, especially when you make it work. If you make it work, that's crazy. But, of course, so they don't sudden, need to replace six, right? They can have – maybe they just have no, four right. captains, totally, right? Totally, totally, But you just don't have as many guys as leaders. But you know that Lewis Kidd is going to be a leader on this football I, I, well, team, right? That's, that's the thing. I mean, spitball and just who, who the captains are going to be. Let's do it real quick. I think for the Cats, it's going to be Troy Anderson, certainly Lewis Kidd, certainly. Yeah. And I think probably – I think Isaiah Fonse or Chase Benson could be both, but, both but, be up but there. But right now, that's all you need. That's all you like need. Like, if right. you have those guys doing what they're supposed to do, which they will, right. that's you're good. You're set up there. And then the quarterback's – Organizing themselves, being mature enough to totally. do what they need to do. Totally. How about the Grizz? Who do you think the Grizz captain is going to be? I mean, so I w- it's got to be I, Robbie Houck's turn at this point, right? I, As a fourth-year junior. Yeah, I would say I would say Robbie, and I think one, if not both, of the wide receivers could be usually wide receivers in a position where you get a lot of captaincies. Yeah, I, but I think I think Sammy Kim because he stays he, after practice every single day and runs extra wind sprints. Yeah. I think he has the respect of everybody yeah. in the program. You can you can be a you can be a an absolute leader That's a good at one. that spot. And they're I mean they're the most veteran and most skilled guys on that side of the ball. Right. You know, so it's it's not just, you know, sometimes you want it, not want it to be, but sometimes the best player is in virtue of being the best player, the captain, and other times the senior, in virtue of being the senior, is the captain. Well, these guys are the, it's both. They're the senior best players uh, in terms of what it is that they do. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We continue uh, with Bobby Houck. Speaking of leadership. Jeff, show what you mean. Yep. See, I got you all screwed no, up. You now you we got, turned we got me the over. Grizz and the Bobcat segment. And, you know. Uh, Everybody in Missoula is jumping ap- for joy. My apologies about who's who here. You know, what do I know? Uh, Jeff Choate, head coach of Montana State Bobcats. Uh, and, and again, this is still within the context of, of kind of what's going on in the spring, broadly speaking. But I thought this was interesting. His discussion turned to leadership skills. The most important thing I try to teach these guys is leadership skills. And we have a curriculum that we go through that we'll continue to go through uh, remotely that I think uh, has paid off for us over the course of years. This gets right to the heart of all of this to me for Montana State and for Coach Choate. Right. If you can teach the kids what it is to kind of, if if I can say it in a cliched way, do the next right thing. Right. You don't need to worry or worry as much about, well, did we get X amount of practices in, you know? And... And teaching them the leadership, which we know, I mean, that's a big thing for him, for, for, for Coach Cho personally. You know, he, he is, he, he loves running the show and he's good at running the show. Well, and when, when you talk about some of these. And, you empa- and when you empower people, especially your players, no that's what being a good leader is as a head coach. Let them be good leaders as kids. No doubt. Yeah. And sometimes in college football and, and college sports in general, when you get these buzzwords like culture and leadership and all that sometimes they could just be so empty they don't really have a lot of validity and a lot of times when you know a guy like Jeff Choate who is very forward and in your face and confident but also articulate and he preaches his vision endlessly exhaustively sometimes sometimes I think that it, people think they're, they're skeptical of it he, he teaches a, a, a class on Fridays for all his football players. I, I shouldn't say it. it's not a registered university class, but it's sure. a, he, he gives a talk, a every seminar Friday, or something. And yeah. he calls it the art of being a man. Well, when you first hear that, and when I first heard that, I thought, well, that's kind of corny. That's not going to work. But when you do it from start to finish, from the recruiting process to the signing the kid to then bringing them into your organization, making them buy into your organization, and then empowering them to become a man. 
it's been actually very fascinating to watch because I do think you can have a good football team. I think you can actually have a great football team, even if all your guys are still very, if they, even if they're still kids. Because mm-hmm. if they're having fun, that can get you a long ways. But the one thing that I've been so impressed with as somebody that analyzes sports from a psychological perspective more than any other perspective is just how grown up the Bobcat guys seem to be by the time that they reach the end of this thing. And that is a complete testament to Jeff Cho. He really does empower guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Logan Jones on the show next week. Logan Jones, one of my favorite kids of all time, and he went from a kid to a man. His first couple years, he was just lollygagging and goofing off and wakeboarding up at the at the lake and not you know didn't get invited to fall camp one year, and then all of a sudden he snapped into it, and now... He's still a fun-loving guy, but he's grown up so much. And that's the thing. That's where I think it goes from being corny and empty to very effective when you have an organization where everybody in the organization believes in it. I think that's going to be the next step for the Grizz is getting everybody fully in the organization to believe what Bobby Houck is all about. They're almost there, but they're not quite there. What Jeff Cho's all about? Well, I'm saying that that's the next for step for the Grizz, yeah. though. Yeah, Because yeah. I think I think the Cats, everybody in the organization is there. Yeah. The yeah. Grizz not, aren't quite there. And that makes sense because you're talking about year three versus year five. I'm a little worried with all the time I've been spending at home that I may be uh, transitioning from a man into a kid. You know? I mean, my brother told me I still act the same as I did when I was 13 today. So that was uh, both a great compliment and very humbling. Right. You're a very mature 13-year-old and... Well, you're a mature 13-year-old, I guess is what that means. Uh, Speaking of, we all know the situation out there. No sports and sports in the spring being canceled. Sports in the winter not getting the opportunity to finish. Jeff Choate, his thoughts on who he is feeling sorry for amidst all of this. The guys I feel sorry for, you know, I I mean, honestly, I feel sorry for our women's basketball team. Right. They were having an unbelievable year. And they were going to go maybe even win a game and get a chance to get in the second round of the NCAA tournament. That's how talented that group is. I feel sorry for Harold Frey. Didn't get a chance to you know, finish his career. I feel sorry for you know our tennis players, our, our, our golfers, our track and field athletes that aren't getting an opportunity to go compete. Um, and so, you know, and I feel sorry for the people that are affected more, more dramatically by this than we are right now in Montana. And so just keep things in perspective. And, uh, you know, you realize how, how important sports is to people. You know, how that creates a release for you. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I was glad we got a chance to talk. You know, let's talk about something besides no doubt. coronavirus. Goodness, you know? Hopefully, for the most part, look, when I exiting reality here. That's what we're trying to do around here, though, a little bit. Just keep it to sports and keep banging the symbols of ice cubes in the glass. You're still working on that coffee? Well, I was, Come you know, on. I was really trying to take it down to the end so I, I mean, could, you know, really have that last joke. Right into I the mean, microphone. God. If, if I could ever get a button around here that I could actually push, <laughs> that I wouldn't have to be the one getting lambasted on live radio all the time. Well, how about this? When when we're on the radio, the mic's on. That's a good operation to stand by there. That's kind of the working. What do you, what do you Tommy, did you hear that? Did that come through loud and clear like a tambourine? Oh no, gosh. I didn't hear did anything hear Coulter back there said. Howling with oh, laughter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the last thing uh, from Jeff showed here, uh, the head coach again of the Montana State Bobcat football team. What's the difference between Team 122, the worst team in the country last year, and the best team in the country last year? Well, not as much as you might think. Team 122 no, did what they did. We get nothing for that next year. So we start with that. This is about Team 123, so let's erase what happened here. Don't focus on what we're trying to get accomplished now. The other thing I tell them is, you know, we, we, we have a you know, pyramid our goals and that kind of stuff. Well, one of them was undefeated at home. Well, we didn't do that. State beat us at home. Right. Okay? One of them was Big Sky Conference champs. We didn't do that. 
we dropped that game at North Dakota, and that cost us a share of the league title. Right. So remember, you guys didn't accomplish the things. You know, there's still things out there for us to do, and the standard will not go down. We're just going to keep raising the bar. That's what this thing's about. Um, I'm more hungry now as a coach than I have been since I've been at Montana State because I know how close we are. But, I mean, what do they call this? What is it, the, the 2,000 feet before the summit at Everest? What's that called? The death zone? Right. Because it gets harder up there. It doesn't get easier. It's a very apropos metaphor. And by the way, my mistake, I was thinking the the other terms. Team 122 and 123 this last year of Montana State, this forthcoming season of Montana State. But you don't get anything for last year, as he says. You you just got to go earn it again. It is interesting, though, we talked about, hey, is Montana actually going to be better than they were a year ago given how, how much they progressed from year one to year two under Coach Houck? Well, I'll tell you what, Montana State, wants to be better than they were a year ago when they right. went to the national semifinal. Right. And as as Coach Schultz said, hey, there's a lot of ways we could be better aside from that. I mean, we d- didn't win the Big Sky Conference ter- ch- championship. We didn't win every game in Bozeman that we played. So there's there were, there were goals that went unmet even within the context of one of the best seasons in the history of the program last year. So that's one way that you can raise the level. But again, he's absolutely right. Once you ascend to a certain level, to surpass that yet again becomes, you know, to, to go from six game, six wins to ten wins, it's just as hard to go to that 11th win, just one more, you know, than as it was to, you know, maybe win four more. And to go from not being in the playoffs to being in the playoffs to making it to a national semifinal, the next step there, who, buddy? I mean, that's, that's, that is a huge amount of work. To get back to that point, to point to that point, and then even to surpass it. Well, totally. And this is why the playoff system is so fascinating because Montana State, I believe, was one of the top eight teams in the country last year. That was what I expected them to be going into the year, and that's what they ended up becoming. I don't know if they were one of the top four teams in the country, though. Mm-hmm. They just got the draw where Austin P surprised and and sort of blitzed Sac State out of the playoffs. Sac State was the worst matchup in the league for the Cats. They didn't have to play that team to earn the right to go to NDSU. And then they were able to just run roughshod over an Austin P team that's defense was all based on speed, which was a good matchup against SAC, a terrible matchup against Montana State's 300-pound offensive line. Am I right about this? They they played Austin P in Bozeman, but if Sacramento State would have won that game, would that game have been in California? Exactly. So that one game gave them another home playoff game, a night game, a raucous atmosphere, and they go ahead and take care of business. You can't slide them. Final final four is final four. But as Choate said, they don't have a banner. They don't have a trophy. They haven't won the Big Sky yet, so that's a, another way you can get to the next step. Even if you don't even have a better record, just just win the Big Sky. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the Great Divide Trophy in house. To me, although Montana State loses a lot, they lose some incredibly talented players, and yeah. there's some big question marks in terms of can they continue to fortify the defensive line without becoming the minor league for the Washington Huskies. Basically, can they replace local products that were willing to just completely sell out for the program like Mitch brought Braden Conkle and Derek Marks that remains to be seen too but they've won 19 games without a quarterback the last two years so what happens if they find one what happens if Tucker Rovig becomes not just serviceable but pretty good what happens if he becomes great what happens if Matt McKay is just straight up great what happens if they add an actually legitimate passing game to their stellar almost at this point, peerless running. I mean, they've led the league in rushing the last two years in a league that has a triple option team. That's impressive. And by the way, had 
a triple option team. They're going to win. They're going to be the top rushing team now by a hundred yards a game. You think? No, no, no doubt. Right. So, I, I guess it just comes down to though, like well, if Matt McKay really is a stud, then all of a sudden you do have a real a, a chance to be better across the board. If not, though, we'll see. But this is what we talk about the paramount year for the Grizz with Bobby Houck. He lost some of the best players that he inherited. How good are his guys? Well, now this is going to be the year two at Montana State where you don't have Bryce Sturck anymore. You don't have Jason Scrappos anymore. This is the first cycle of guys that Jeff Choate groomed, got, and built up to the, the this this high watermark. And again, it comes back to surpassing that. Can you do it? And what do you have coming back? And they have obviously some elite players uh, national level players coming back, but there's there's plenty of spots to replace in terms of the total numbers. More spots to replace in Montana State than there are for the Grizzlies. Sutel Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio, Milnberger Motors in Hamilton, serving Western Montana for over sixty years. Get in and test drive a Duramax GMC Chevy. Feel the difference. Get the best deal at Milnberger Motors. One of the best players in the Big Sky Conference in men's basketball has entered the transfer portal. We'll tell you who it is and ask who's the best players coming back to the conference next year. Next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. DJ, running your show, you get some some good tunes coming through here. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Great to be with all of you on this Friday. We hope you're well. From a snowstorm to bathed in sunlight, such is life in April in western Montana. Have you ever splashed espresso in your eyeball? I just did. And, and, and as much as I'm into it, it's brutal, man. It's really, really well, painful. You know, Florence, they make a very good but premium and uh, I might say strong cup of coffee. Man. So you got to be very careful with that. Put some, put some eye goggles on. Oh, get your mask wow. on. Put your plastic eyewear on. I You're need it. your coffee. Look out, people. At Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 1029 ESPN, and at Skyline Sports MT as well. Checking us out on the social medias. Appreciate that. Um, Coulter, a significant development in the landscape of Big Sky Conference men's basketball. Uh, we know there's just this. This is just the way of the world now. There is a ton of kids that are uh, leaving teams and arriving at teams, and in in, uh, in terms of transfers, in Division One men's hoops every single year. But there are guys who are guys, and there are 
guys who are more than that, and this is one such situation. Boo Boo Woods, Holland Woods of Portland State, has entered the transfer portal. Is he? Did he graduate? Is this a grad transfer? No, scenario? he's not a grad transfer because he's a true junior. So he's a true. So he he's a true junior. So would. So how, I mean, he could have sit out been, a year. He could have been, but I mean, I'll tell you this: like I have unimpeachable sourcing for the transfer portal, and he does not. Uh, sources say he does not have the logo that appears in the transfer portal. There's a little cap for the cap and gown that appears mm. on your name that indicates you're a grad transfer. I he see. does not have that. Okay. Um, this is surprising to me, man, because I thought Portland State was one of the like they were they were the number the clear number four team that was poised to go on a run. I mean, they're the team that nobody wanted to play at the Big Sky Conference tournament. And he is, without question, one of the best players in the conference. He is the best player on his own team, but there's talent on that team. They're playing in a brand new facility. I think the second year, right, of the new barn in Portland. Great town to play in. Barrett Peary is, uh, you know, a, a likable guy. Certainly don't know what he is like day in and day out of the coach. And I have no idea that this has anything to do with, you know, their relationship or something like well, that. Well, I think it just has to do with the fact that Holland Woods is just, I mean... Depending, th- depending on the system, I, would, I don't want to say he's better than the big sky, but he's an elite player. I mean, he, he could play, he could play it a lot of different places. He was going to be the preseason MVP of the league coming right. in this year. He's the only returning first team all league player in the big sky. And so this this is this is a huge development. It's a major loss for Portland State, first of all, and we'll see where he ends up transferring to. But he's going to now have to sit out a year, right? I mean. He's going to go well, right, maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's been these guys getting these waivers. There's also this rule that's up up right now. I think it's going to be voted on in the next week, where maybe all transfers don't have to sit out. You, the, get, a you one get a one-time time transfer, right? W- so waiver, waiver. Maybe he's rolling the dice when it comes yeah. to that. Uh, well, in any case, Holland Woods is out, and I mean, you can't imagine that he would be transferring within the conference, right? I mean, you got to think that he's trying oh, to no. go elsewhere, right? But the other thing to remember, too, is that Holland Woods is he was when Ty Geving took over for Ken Bone, Portland State basketball was rolling. They had won the Big Sky Conference, I think, two of the last three years. They'd gone to the NCAA tournament twice, I think the first two times in their history. And then Ken Bone got the Washington State job. Ty Geving took over and they were not good, not bad. They were kind of just middle of the road. But the guy that Ty Geving signed that I think a lot of people were very optimistic on him turning around was Holland Woods. Then they got a new AD. Ty Geving was forced out, and they hired Barrett Peary. Holland Woods did not come to play for Barrett Peary, though. Holland Woods chose Portland State to be the man. He was the man right away. I mean, he's the freshman of the year in the league. But coming out, a kid coming out of Tucson, Arizona, he had a ton of Mountain West interest. He so you just wonder. I think he's just rolling the dice to see where he can play, how yeah. high he can play. Yeah, and I mean that's 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 fair enough. So here's the here's an interesting question then: who who who's the top five players in the Big Sky Conference returning players? Now we think there's going to be some really good players that haven't played in the conference before right. that are going to be showing up and doing their thing. But in terms of guys that we know, you've compiled a list here. You're very good at list compiling, Thanks, by the man. way, Coulter. That's one thing that I uh, can always say. You're five guys, and I, I mean, I'm, I think you're hard-pressed to maybe do better than this, but Jacob Davidson at EWU, he's one of the he's one of the absolutely outstanding scorers that the conference has, especially as a shooter, but in general, great score for Eastern. No doubt, and he would have been a probably first-team all-league guy, except for that I think him and Kim Aiken split some votes. Him and Kim Aiken also from Eastern Washington, and then also Mason Peetling was the first-team all-league guy as well as the MVP. So I think that you know Davidson 
was the one underclassman besides Holland Woods that couldn't break onto that first team, even though he was yeah. uh, uh, he had a very first-team all-league-like resume. Right. Uh, Bodie Hume, who will be a junior, he was the the freshman of the year two years ago, outstanding uh, player, just a, a long shooter, a stretch-type uh, of uh, stretch three, stretch four for uh, Northern Colorado. Kim Aiken from Eastern Washington, who's going to be a junior this season, and he certainly has had his battles with the University of Montana in particular, but uh, you know, a big, talented kid for sure. Cam Shelton at Northern Arizona, and then uh, also you put on this list I liked is Jabriel Bello at Montana State, who the newcomer of the year in the league was the newcomer of the year, and 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 especially from from the start even of just conference play to the end his progression as a player and I think his comfort in the role that he found himself uh, at Montana State increasing pretty dramatically uh, for uh, for this group so those are your five guys notably no Grizzlies on this list Uh, the Grizz really return in terms of guys who played a lot Timmy Falls going into his senior year and then Mac Anderson who's played you know good minutes for two seasons but uh those guys you know probably not on this list in terms of 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 what we're looking at here i do think that at the end of the day let's put it like this you talk about preseason guys that are returning and then what's going to end up being the list of you know when you put when we compile our our you know first second and third team at the end of the year i think there's a good chance there's going to be multiple grizzlies uh throughout on those lists when it's all said and done but going into the year i think this is a, a pretty good list you've got yeah, I mean, it's going to be so interesting to see because, I mean, we don't have, like you said, we don't have any Grizz on this list. You could, I can almost guarantee you that there's going to be a Grizz on the first on, team, on the postseason list. There's yeah, just going to yeah, be. Yeah. Who is that guy, though? Right. Is, is it going to be Michael Stedman? Is it going to be somebody breaking out and, and, and taking a right. big step forward that's already been playing and, one and of the when freshmen you look, or and we look at the, And when you look at this list, too, there. I think that Jabril Bello, if he, if he takes the next step, is going to be one of the best players in the league. He already was. I mean, he was a third-team All-League guy and the newcomer of the year in the league. But in, in, in relation to this level of basketball, he is an elite mix of size and athleticism. Right. Like, it, it, there's not a lot of 250 get up and hammer at home six right. nine guys. Right. They, they just they aren't here in the big sky conversation. He's one of the them. The key for Jabril Bello at Montana State is going to be uh, twofold. One, who's going to be their point guard? Mm-hmm. And two, can they figure out a better way to use him and Devin Kirby together? Or do they just scrap that idea and maybe just platoon them? I, I just think that those guys can't play together like they did this year because they just clog it up for each other. Harold Frey was so good at manufacturing points and keeping Montana State in games, getting to the free throw line. I mean, he's one of the top 10 free throw shooters in the country in terms of free throw attempts per game. But a lot of that took a lot of just dribbling the ball for 25 seconds of shot clock and then driving himself. I think that this next year, it's going to be very defined what Montana State's offensive strategy is. Yeah. Throw the ball to Bellow yeah. and see what happens after that. So he could have a chance to take a, br- a real big jump in terms of production. I think Davidson has proven the last two years that he's an elite scorer. He, he's an 18 to 20 points per game guy. When he really gets it cooking like he had it in Missoula, he can score 30 plus. I think he scored 34 in Missoula, but his team lost. But he's a guy that has, a, you know, Shante Leggins, he's such a great coach in terms of instilling confidence in their, his guys. Jacob Davis is the perfect example of that, playing with confidence. But then you look at the other guys on this list, it seems to me that there's a little bit of unrest at Northern Arizona right now with uh, you know Jack Murphy getting fired, or I guess Jack Murphy seeing his way out the door before he could get fired. Shane Burkhardt taking over on an interim basis. But then as soon as Shane Burkhardt was retained, Bernie Andre leaves, uh, Cam Satterwhite leaves, Carlos Hines leaves. 
So on one hand, you could say now this is Cam Shelton's team. He has a chance to really thrive. He was a third-team All-League guy. I thought he was really good this year yeah. as a sophomore. On the other hand, though, what does he think of the whole thing? Is he going to be empowered by Burkhart, or is he going to be an outsider as well? Well, and it's always this question too, right, Coulter? You, you see this in football a lot, but a, a lot of times you go, well, if you were a great duo and half of that duo leaves – well, how much more, how many more looks is this, you know, number one guy going to get when he's by himself? But also, the fact that there were two or three good players opens things up so much more for the entire team of which you are a part. So that, you know, all of a sudden, if you are the clearly and obvious best player on your team, there's so much more uh, uh, scouting, preparation, and attention paid to you that maybe you don't even have the production that you had a year ago uh, when it's all said and done. And I guess that's, you know, that's something that we will uh, look forward to finding out and then, a year from now. And then Bodie Hume, I mean, Jeff Linder's out at Northern Colorado. Joe Radabaugh's not at Northern Colorado anymore. Hume's been a great role player. He's been one of the best role players in the league, playing alongside Jordan Davis and Joe Radabaugh, and then this year playing alongside Radabaugh. But you don't have Radabaugh, you don't have Kai Edwards, and you have a new coach now in Justin Smiley. So... Can Hume become the star? Can he become the go-to guy? That remains to be seen. Kim Aiken, it, when he is, Kim Aiken's another guy who's one of the best third guys in the league. When he can just shoot threes and disrupt you on defense and be the enforcer and you know rip down rebounds, he's awesome. But can you really trust him to be your number two behind Davidson? I don't know. That that's the brilliance of coaching. That's where Shante Leggins is going to have to turn because. Kim Aiken is a feast or famine player. I think he's one of the biggest game changers in the entire league when he's good. And I think he's an absolute liability because he can just go completely off the rails when he when he snaps. And he snaps at more than anybody in the conference. So how do you keep him under control? Yeah. Uh, it's 2 Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll take a break. We'll wrap up the week. We're going to have ourselves a little fun conversation. What are you doing this weekend? And I got a music question for Coulter. I'm going to spring it on him next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Happy Friday, boys and girls. The world spins. You tell the Wannas are on your radios. That we know for sure. Boy, happy to be with you. If you missed anything in the show so far, check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell the Wannas podcast available wherever you get your podcast. It's available all the time, and it is there. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Just check it out. At all your favorite spots, rate it, review it, subscribe to it. We appreciate that. 329-1899, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Couple of things that we wanted to get to here at the end of the show. Uh, first of all, wanted to, Coulter wants to know what I'm doing this weekend. I had sort of. big plans to uh, go ahead and get out of town. 
you know, gas being the price it is as it is, I like to quarantine in my van as much as I do anywhere else, you know, and then uh, you get out. I will say this, though. I had this happen uh, last weekend. I was driving uh, our fair state, taking it in. I have three children, Coulter, as you know, uh, and the bathroom situation is a very difficult one right now with all the businesses in the world closed down. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, you don't just want to run your whole family. I know the grocery stores are open, but you don't want to just go in there to use the facility and, you know, be all in there together and do the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I just don't know. I just don't know if you want to do that. So all of a sudden now, fortunately we're in a rural state, but I'm just saying you sometimes got to find some places, drive around and pull over somewhere and it's not so easy as just uh, getting in the car and going because there's multiple stops. There's not always a place to make a stop that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So that said, gas is under two bucks now. It's under a dollar, actually, in some places in this country. It's crazy. So I think maybe a drive might be in order for me this weekend and also cooking. You know, I'm going to get out yeah, there, do, yeah. do some of that. How was the pork belly? You know, I overdid it. Not, I didn't overcook it. I overate it. Ah, <laughs> and, easy uh, to do. Uh, but I still do have a fair amount there. I, it was my first like proper pork belt, like where I bought an entire pork belly and then and then attempted to cook it. Now I only did half of it, which is still quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it wasn't. I, I I got work to do. I got work to do. I think the marinade was good. I think the execution was was eh, B minus. B minus work, but certainly edible. Got the job done, and uh, I'm going to crisp some of it up. Don't worry, you're going to be on the receiving end. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I know why you're asking these things, Tommy. Uh, but Coulter, here's one thing that I did do last night. Okay, last and this night? is what I want to know. This is my little, uh, not a quiz, but it's just a uh, just a, a normal question for you. Okay. What are your thoughts on One Republic? I don't even know. Who is that? Well, Tommy, now tell him that he does know who won Republic. You, I mean, not even in the name, but I mean, I, I guarantee there's... They're like a boy band, right? No, no, no. I mean, they're just a band. They're like an instrument-playing group of musicians. They're, they're what you they're call like a band. They're nauseating pop music, right? They they are poppy. They're pretty poppy, right, Tommy? Pretty poppy? If, if they are who I think they are, they like define 21st century Bubble gum. Would you take my car when I start to crack? Would you rescue me? There's one. Would you rescue me? Would you rescue They are certainly not a boy band. Like they're they're actually independently like pretty classically trained musicians. Lots of strings, cellos, things going on in their music and so on. Everything that about the things I guess. Okay. The reason I ask, okay, I'm not a huge One Republic fan. Okay. All things. Your daughters probably are. They might be. Here's what's amazing to me. Ryan Tedder, who I've only learned his name. Okay, so they have a sh- they have their documentary or it's not even it's like sort of one of these like live song then like a portion of an interview followed by another live song followed by an interview on Netflix, okay? Of One Republic. So I watched this last night. And Ryan Tedder, who is their uh, you know lead singer or whatever, 
bef- well, as he has been, you know, concurrently in this band One Republic for, you know, 15 years or whatever, has also been one of the leading songwriters and producers in all of music. And now I know what you think about the engine, both of you, that is the machine that is just produced or whatever music. I get that. But this, are you ready for the list of people that he has written songs for? I am. Adele, Anita, Backstreet Boys, Beyonce, Big Time Rush, Camila Cabello, Demi Lovato, Ed Sheeran, Foster the People, Hilary Duff, Jennifer Lopez, Mo, Maroon 5, Logic, Lil Nas X, Paul McCartney, Taylor Swift, U2, Pink, Selena Gomez. Like, this guy is responsible it's not for... Pop, it's not pop music, though, because you just named every single pop star on the planet. It's no, no, fake news. No, no, no. What I'm telling you is he's responsible for, like, half the songs that you know. Do you do you know who Jason Aldean is? You're not a country guy at all. No. I mean, I, I have heard the well, name. So, so Jason Aldean, it's funny because Jason Aldean's considered, like, an, a, a uh, I don't want to say attractive. He's considered, like, a sex symbol now. But Jason Aldean... This is Jason Aldean? Jason Aldean wrote almost every country song by the... Uh, there's some country people like Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson that write their own music. Okay, right? yeah. But so many of the, the rest of them are just in the Nashville machine, and they're just the singers, and then there's the songwriters over here. Yeah. Well, Jason Aldean wrote something like 60 number one hits, but he could never get a record contract. No one ever let him do it because they told him he wasn't attractive enough. Somehow, mm. some way, the world changed enough where then... They gave him a chance, and he's, the guy looks pretty edgy. I mean, I'm not one to judge. He looks fine to me. But, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, but, uh, but so then he started being able to sing at his own songs, and yeah. then he had like three straight number one albums. He was like the biggest country star in the world for a brief moment. I saw him in uh, Bozeman circa 2015. Is awesome. Great concert. Yeah. Who well, would win in a fight? Jason Aldean, Alan Jackson. Jason Aldean. You think so? Oh, yeah, dude. Jason You Aldean. couldn't be more wrong about Why? that. Why? Because you, you love Alan Jackson? Alan Jackson's a way bigger badass than Aldean. No, Could it ever Alan possibly Jackson, be? Isn't he pretty tall, Alan Jackson? Yeah, I, yeah tall enough. See, the th- this is one thing that people don't really get about the music industry. Tommy knows this just about the way that record deals are made, the way that songwriting is distributed, You know, the, the amount of points you have on your record on a record deal, or who owns the rights to your song when you play it. Mm. Tommy's been in a semi-famous band, and he gets royal Very famous. Yeah, yeah. Comatose Malik, very famous band. Nice plug. The uh, Alan Jackson might be, besides Garth Brooks, because Garth Brooks has sold more records than anybody on the planet ever, which is incredible to say. More than Michael Jackson, the Beatles, anybody. And he wrote almost every single one of his songs. But Alan Jackson has always had an exclusive record deal where he gets something like 75 points, 75 out of 100 points per record. So that means 75 cents of every dollar that people spend on his records, he gets. Like 75%? Most, most people get like <laughs> 8 points or 10 points. Alan Jackson gets 75%. Because he, he self-publishes. He self-publishes. He also has his... He owns the rights. He wrote every one of his songs, but he also owns the rights. So he gets the full dividend for everything. Yeah. So this guy has written 75 or 80 number one hits for on the country music charts. I mean, I can't imagine how much money he has. I mean, think about how many... I mean, you could not listen to the radio in a day anywhere in the country if you're listening to country radio. You don't hear an Alan Jackson song. Is that right? I mean, wouldn't it's you true. say, Tommy? No, I mean, it's true, yeah. If yeah. you listen to country radio, you're going to hear an Alan Jackson song, a George Strait song, and a Garth Brooks song. Tommy, they have uh, BMI and... What's ASCAP? ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and SOCAN are okay. the four four primary. That first one is just still so remarkable for me. I don't even know what it is, and I don't want to know. I just know that it's ASCAP. Okay. So 
these are the functioning entities that collect money to pay out the royalties that that commercial radio uses when they play songs. Am I saying that roughly accurately? Roughly accurately. How much does a radio station pay for the rights to use a song one time, and does it vary? It varies Wildly? so much. Okay. Well, what's the, the what's the most in the like? What's the range? Uh, it could be anything from eighteen hundredths of a penny up to a dollar. <laughs> wow! Honest to God, I mean that is. There's now. What kind of song would it cost a dollar to play it the once on your? It sh- depends on, on the market size and the median okay. household income. Mm, so oh, if you're okay, in a major okay. market like Robert Chase and his, you know, Chicago Which, days yes. when he played Nirvana, those guys made like actual physical money from that. Whereas my spins from Comatose Smile over the last six years on the trail have netted me almost one cent. <laughs> And that's an actual, honest-to-goodness figure. I will show you my BMI royalty I, I, statement. I, I, it's insane. This, that's wonderful. This yeah. makes me so happy. Can uh, I close out the show with one question sure. for you? Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Let me revise my question from yesterday and be a little bit more articulate. Okay. I will progress forward now. Who is more likely to be innocent between O.J. Simpson or Carol Baskin? Oh, my God. Who's more li- where does innocence more likely live between the two of them? Man. I don't know. I haven't delved all the way down the rabbit hole of this Carol Baskin thing, but well, it seems a little bit more uncertain to me. I don't want to be let, let's, the guy let's, let's. I mean, if I'm going to... I'm not taking this in the spirit. I'm taking it to the letter of the law, like you said. Yeah. O.J. Simpson is, in fact, guilty. He did go to jail. Now, I understand you're asking me about what is it that he's guilty for, but he... He was proven guilty of what's racketeering, ra- yeah, yeah, stealing, and, stealing yeah, right. memorabilia, the Vegas th- thing, right? So, there was a so Vegas I element. guess it's a zero percent chance there. Whereas for Carol Baskin, I'm not asking free. you to tell me what happened in the history books. I'm asking you to tell me who's more likely to be innocent between the two. Man, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go with I'll go with Carol. It's not the popular answer because she's all the. Uh, I don't know. She's the one that everybody's trying to figure out where we at here. You actually think so? You think OJ could be more guilty than Baskin? Well, you, you know, you can't be I more mean, or less guilty either or your own. It's binary. I, like, there's not degrees of it. It's not. Anybody out there that's that's uh, bored or you're looking for something to watch, anybody that missed it when, it when it was occurring, I don't care if you like or don't like sports. Yeah. OJ Made in America. OJ Made in America is, is, in my opinion, as somebody that I have not watched all the documentaries in the world, but I think I'm pretty close. <laughs> it's the greatest documentary ever made. It is the I greatest documentary that. ever made. It analyzes everything. If you are somebody that likes sports, you'll love it. If you're somebody that likes drama, crime, deceit, if you're somebody culture, that, culture, Americana, yeah. Americana, you know what makes it so good? Race. I mean, the the racial element of it oh, is just absolutely. insane. Yes. I wasn't around at the time and paying attention, and they spend three episodes, which are two hours each. So you got six full hours of history as to why it mattered. Exactly. That's well done. People, that's great. That's the thing. I mean, Tommy, how old are you? Twenty six. Twenty six. There's so many people that don't, they only remember OJ as the guy who got away with murder and then this crazy guy who's on Twitter. People forget that <laughs> the, the, the element of athletes endorsing products right. was invented by OJ Simpson. And then the fact that he was an African American from Southern California, that uh, he, he was one of the most beloved, famous, well recognized, and revered people 
in the country, in the on the planet. Yeah. It, I can't even make a comparison to what it would be like if someone else was to get in the situation that OJ was in, guilty or not. Well, as soon as I'm done rewatching all of Tiger King for a fourth time, I will get into it. Um, what is this, Alan? Is that who is this, Tommy? Kenny Rogers, dude. Oh. Rest his soul. Oh. Good choice. Good choice. Boys and girls, we ride out with Kenny into a weekend. Have a safe and enjoyable one. Back on Monday. No right, when Kenny. to hold up. No when to walk away. And no when to run. You never count. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.